everybody, Ron Russell right here from PTC Ministries. Won't you come go with us today as we get into the Word? I believe the Lord is going to speak to your heart, and I'll come back and greet you at the end. No matter what the enemy may try to do, he never will be defeated. I'm grateful tonight that he never will. Thank you, worship team, this evening for leading us this evening. What a joy it is to be back in the house of the Lord on this Sunday evening. I do pray all is well with you. So thankful that you're in the house with us this evening. and We welcome our online audience as well. So thankful uh, for the goodness of God and the grace of God in our lives and uh, to have the privilege. Because how many knows it is a privilege for us to be here this evening? And uh, let us never take for granted uh, the privilege that's been given to us to assemble in the house of the Lord tonight. I know it's somewhat of a rarity across our nation, unfortunately, a nation that was founded upon biblical principles. The reason our forefathers was here and came here was to have a place of freedom to worship, but yet, if we're not careful, we'll find that most of the houses of worship are closed this evening because everything else is more important. God forgive us tonight. Uh, for for losing our way as a nation when it comes to those things. But tonight I'm glad that we're here and I'm glad that you're here. And I'm thankful that not everybody has thrown in the towel, amen? But there is still a remnant of God's people across this globe that is still desiring to be in his presence and are still calling out to him. And he is faithful to those that call on his name. Amen. So tonight we're, we're in a place, a good place, because when we call on him, he's faithful to be with us. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. I'm going to read a familiar passage of scripture tonight. I'm just going to read three verses and just going to jump right in. And if the Lord would help us, try to encourage us this evening, uh, as well as maybe bring an awakening to our spirit, and uh, I'm amazed that as it's the longer I live uh, and uh, the more that I uh, I travel and, and interact with people, I find that there is those that have stood the test of time, uh, and their stories are amazing as well as inspiring, and when we start talking about the faithful servants of God, they've been throughout generations, but tonight, if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as a custom in this house for the honoring of God's word going to read the first three verses together in Hebrews chapter number 12, and then we're just going to dive in. If the Lord would help us for a subject matter tonight, I'm going to deal with the faithful servant, the faithful servant. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse number one, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us, tell your neighbor, that means us, us is us, right? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. And let us, you see that again, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of the sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. For a few moments tonight, we want to preach that the Lord would help us on the faithful servant. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its anointing. We thank you for your people tonight. 
Lord, I pray for the next few moments you'd anoint this vessel to speak your word. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And Lord, help us to continue to run this race with patience as well as let us be steadfast, unmovable in the things that you've called us to in this hour and season we find ourselves. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for all the increase and all that is accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It goes tonight without saying, I believe, that today we find ourselves in unusual times. If you were to ask each other the question, would have you ever thought we'd be dealing with this 20 years ago? I think most of you would probably have the same answer. And we often will ask ourselves, how in the world did we end up here? Well, it wasn't just overnight, but it has been a series of decisions that has led us from the place where we once was to a place that we now find ourselves. I believe it is needful for us to understand that we have all heard this said, be careful what you ask for. A lot of times we ask for things and we don't realize the consequences of that which we have asked for. And we as a nation now, we are experiencing some great moments that are very disturbing because of maybe things that we asked for just a short time ago. Can I tell you today, if we're not careful, we want to put the focus on everything and take no responsibility, but tonight we must take responsibility as the people of God. We today must realize that if there is ever going to be a change, it will begin in us. It will not begin in the world. A sinner is going to do what a sinner does. He's going to sin. However, a righteous man should do what the Bible instructs him to do. He should live godly, upright, and he should walk in a place of righteousness. It does not take long to compile a list of truths concerning uh, the state in which we find ourselves as a nation, as well as communities or cities or even as families. We can take just a moment and we can currently find very quickly that where we are today in this very moment is a place that could be described as the following, a place of gross darkness, a place of trouble, a place of apathy and rebellion, a place of division, a place of where now it is now commonplace in our society for wrong to be right and the right to be wrong. America, like many other nations, currently is in a downward spiral of destruction. Our children are being indoctrinated continually by those who have given themselves over to the kingdom of darkness continually. Our homes are under attack continually. We find ourselves, even as the house of worship, been infiltrated by hell itself, not to mention the reality of the overreach of a government that desires to be our God and desires to dispel the one true God from its area of control. We have a generation today that is so confused that they don't know who they are. 
Our boys don't know if they're boys. Our girls don't know if they're girls. And can I tell you, that is really no fault of their own. But it is because of the simple fact that the people in front of them on a very large scale due to the presence of demonic influence and evil has now been entrusted with the very care of our children. We no longer take the responsibility that the word of God gives us when it concerns our children, which can I tell you tonight, our children is our most precious commodity. And the Bible tells us it's our responsibility to train up a child in the way he should go. You will never read where he says that we are to give them to the world and let the world train them and then hope that they'll serve God. You'll never find that in scripture But if we're not careful, we'll spend more time training everything else and let the world control and train our children. God, forgive us this evening. The need for change cannot be ignored in this moment. Here we are beginning the very first part of the year of 2023, and we see that it's not getting better, but it is getting more rapidly out of control. We find the great attempt of indoctrinating children at the youngest age is now not hidden in a closet somewhere, but it is on public display in every public arena. Can I tell you today, we have people in places of authority that has given themselves over to complete evil and darkness. We recently, just in the last couple of days, have watched even in our judicial system We watched a judge simply stay in order that was put in place that says it is okay for now to go ahead and let people that are full of demonic activity entertain our children. God help us this evening. You and I today must awaken to the reality that if there is ever going to be a difference made, it will begin by a faithful servant of God. And can I say to you tonight that those that have been faithful through the years, it did not cost them something, but it cost them everything. Much like Paul, when he took a moment and he surveyed a place called Athens in Scripture, it tells us that his spirit was stirred. And it was stirred in such a way that it stirred him to action. Tonight, my prayer is that the American church would be awakened from apathy and it would step into the place where once again it's willing to contend for the faith that was once given to the saints. In Acts chapter number 17, verse number 6, it says, Now when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. May I ask the question tonight, do we realize just how evil this day really is? Stay with me. It'll get better, I promise, as we go along. But I have to be real with you today. We are now dealing with not just one nation or one part of a nation, but we are dealing with nations of the world that has given themselves wholly over to idolatry. The result of this stirring, however, led to Paul rising up in his faith. And therefore, we see him stand and confront the people. And notice the Bible tells us that he spoke truth concerning Jesus Christ. I believe what he saw at Athens and what he got the revelation of 
in this time in his life and ministry, it changed him in such a manner that it impacted him in such a way that at the end of his life, as he was nearing the end of his life, it brought him to a place in his final moments that he thought, I have to instruct Timothy in the following manner. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through verse number 9, he simply begins to speak to him, and it's a familiar passage of Scripture for most of us probably in this room. He said, When I call to remembrance the unfinished faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and he said, I am persuaded that is in thee also, Timothy. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began." If you want to paraphrase that passage of scripture tonight, I believe what Paul was telling Timothy is this. Timothy, it does not matter what's going on around you and what you see naturally. What matters is that when you see things, you do not let it deter you, but you allow it to be something that is a catalyst that is used to let faith arise in you. Because how many knows, unless we're operating in faith, we are not able to really operate in the realm that God wants us to be. Notice, I come to tell us tonight a very simple message. It's time for you and I to be men and women that are not just walking and living on yesterday's story or living on yesterday's manna, but it is a time and a season for you and I to be the men of God and the women of God that God has called us to be. And just like every generation before us, he has called us not to sit and complain and murmur, but he has called us to stand and take up our post and begin to contend for the thing that has been given to the saints. Notice our our text, it tells us, uh, let us lay aside every weight uh, and sin which do us so easily beset us. It's very simple tonight. To lay aside simply means this, to separate from. If you and I are ever going to be effective in this hour and this season, uh, I have to tell you today, this is not legalism, uh, but this is the reality of God's word. Uh, we will have to separate from some things. It may not be popular, it may not even be comfortable, and it may not even be something that's bad. Uh, it just means it's something I'm getting rid of some things and severing some things from my life uh, so that I can make room for the power and the anointing of God to take residence in me. Uh, listen, we have done a really bad disservice by simply taking our little label maker, uh, you know how they used to have them things where you could type it on there and we'd make our labels and we'd stick it on there. Uh, we do that in our life spiritually. I'm going to make a label. Uh, and the label is, this is sin, this is not sin. This is sin, this is not sin. I'm going to make it real easy for you tonight. Anything that separates you from your purpose and the presence of God is sin. Amen. Please hear me. It's not a big, ugly thing. It can be something very small. Listen, uh, God does not have a list of do's and don'ts for his people. Uh, yes, there's some things that he says don't be involved in, absolutely. Uh, but listen, uh, you can make anything an idol. Uh, you can make anything a sin. Uh, you can make anything that begins to take priority in your life, that takes his place, uh, become something that you no longer need in your life. 
but we are in a place right now while we have all this stuff in our lives, and I'm thankful for the blessings, uh, but if we're not careful, the blessings are becoming the biggest curse in our lives because we are witnessing a generation dying and going to hell prematurely uh, because of the simple fact uh, we have got all kinds of stuff attached to us. Uh, It's very interesting to me when you begin to read a New Testament scripture, it simply says these words, uh, wide is the path that leads to destruction, but straight and narrow is the way, but there is a place called, it's a literally straight gate, meaning this, uh, it's not this big thing, but if you're going to go with God, uh, you got to go down through this little thing, Uh, you got to get into this path, and can I tell you, not everything uh, is going to go through there. Listen, uh, one of the things that you'll find naturally when when you want to get a picture of this, uh, you can find that today in most homes, modern homes, uh, you'll find what you call a 36-inch entry door. Uh, you can pretty much get just about any piece of furniture in that 36 entry door, all right? Uh, but a lot of your older homes, you'll find that they've got a 30-inch door. Uh, and you're not going to get a baby grand piano through there. You're not going to get your favorite wardrobe through there unless you start taking things off. Uh, can I tell you, uh, the only way you're going to get to the place that God wants you to be, uh, you're going to have to make the decision to shed some things uh, because can I tell you, not everybody's going to the place that God has called us to be. But can I tell you, the faithful servants, uh, they look ahead and they realize this, I don't need everything attached to me, uh, but what I do need uh, is to get to where God says that I do need to be. Please hear me tonight. Timothy, let faith arise in you. We find that when you continue to lay, go on, it says lay aside means to separate from, while beset simply means this, to be attacked on all sides or to be surrounded, as well as to be set or to be placed upon. I believe all of us can agree tonight, and I think it's safe to say, that we are witnessing as the church an attack by our adversary on every side. You are surrounded. It feels like things are setting on us. Uh, And it's not by accident, but it's by design of the enemy because he realizes if I can keep them oppressed, uh, if I can keep them smothered, so to speak, uh, then I'm going to keep them walking, as I mentioned this morning, uh, in a state of distraction, uh, in a state where they're just overwhelmed. uh, And therefore, uh, their faith is not going to arise. But can I tell you, uh, a a, a, a great revelation from a preacher or an evangelist. Uh, A new song is not going to give you your victory. Uh, But what will give you victory in this life uh, is when a man or a woman reaches down deep like Paul told Timothy and said, listen, uh, you received something and I was there when you received it uh, because when I laid hands on you, I know that you received what your grandma had uh, and what your mama had, uh, but you got to stir it up. Can I tell you, there's people in this room today uh, and those that are watching us today. Uh, I know some of you got something that your grandma had and your mama had uh, and the generation before you had, uh, but listen, you got to reach down in there and you got to stir it up and you got to let faith arise uh, because listen, uh, I'm thankful for yesterday's anointing, uh, but God doesn't give his children yesterday's manna, uh, but he gives you and I something fresh today, uh, but it's only when we operate and walk in faith uh, that we're able to really experience that which he 
he has for us. Uh, I want you to hear me today. Uh, We can only do uh, what we need to do when we allow faith to arise in us. Uh, We must once again in this season of time regain our focus uh, and we must run the race that's set before us uh, with patience, uh, meaning this we have to be steady. Uh, Listen, the enemy, it doesn't care if you have an emotional high today uh, and you dance a jig, uh, but what makes him nervous uh, is when you get out of bed in the morning on a Monday uh, and you say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, He really gets nervous when you get up on Wednesday morning and say, God, I'm still giving you praise and glory. Uh, He really gets upset about Thursday afternoon uh, when everything's broken in the workplace, uh, but you say, God, I'm still giving you praise and glory uh, because what you're doing, you're walking and operating in faith. uh, And when you come about Friday night, when it seems like, oh, it's been a week, uh, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but then you realize, God, you've been too good to me. Uh, I'm just going to keep giving you praise and glory. Uh, That's when the enemy begins to get nervous uh, because now you're somebody uh, that's doing something that the scripture tells us to do. Uh, How is it that we can walk in faith? Uh, How is it that we can be the man of God or the woman of God that we're called to be? Uh, In our text, we find the story. Uh, It doesn't just stop and tell us we're to run the race with patience, uh, but in verse number two, it says, looking unto Jesus. Uh, Can I tell you this evening, uh, we're in a place in our nation uh, where we don't need to be looking to Washington, D.C. or a state house or a Capitol building, uh, but what we need is some men of God and women of God uh, once again to get their eyes off the turmoil, uh, to get the eyes off the division, uh, and to get their eyes fixed upon Jesus uh, and say, God, you've been too good to me. Uh, Listen, I feel like preaching tonight for a moment. Uh, I come to tell somebody uh, it's not going to end like you think it's going to end if you'll let faith arise inside of you uh, because when you get your eyes on him, uh, the perspective totally changes. Uh, Let us lay aside every weight uh, and the sin which does so easily beset us in this season. We must regain our focus and we must run the race, yes, but the writer tells us you must look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. David said it like this in Psalms 57, 7. My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give you praise. What he was simply saying is this. I've witnessed your goodness. I've witnessed your grace. I've experienced too much to doubt you now. Can I tell somebody in this room, you need to shake off some stuff and realize the devil is still doing what he's always done. He come to steal, kill, and destroy, but also this, don't ever forget, he is the father of all lies. That means everything he's told you this week concerning you and your situation is not truth because he does not have the ability to speak truth. But everything he spoke concerning you, concerning your family, concerning your job, concerning your career, concerning your ministry, whatever the case may be, it's all been lies. But you must pause and remember, you know what? God has kept me. God has led me. He's guided me. He has directed my path. And he's done that year after year after year for many of you in this room. So why in the world would you think he's not going to stay faithful now? But what has to happen is you and I have to start getting our focus back and begin to look unto Jesus again. 
And when we began to look unto him, everything changed. I know there's trouble on every side. I know the weight is heavy. I know the outlook may not look favorable to you and I. And I know it appears that damage is severe all around us, yes. But can I tell you, this is the hour that we must look unto him. Because he is still the author and he is still the finisher of our faith. May I remind you, he is still on the throne this evening. And he is still the beginning and he is still the end. Nothing. Tell your neighbors, say nothing. They may get more excited if you tell them. Tell them again, say nothing. Nothing is able to remove him from his place of authority. One cannot help but experience a change within themselves when they get their eyes on Jesus. Please hear me. In our text we read together this evening, Notice it simply says, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But notice the reason we have to do that is lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Every individual in this room must do one thing. You must safeguard your mind. Nobody can do that for you. That's why, if you read Romans 12, it tells us that we must have a renewed mind. How do you safeguard your mind? By renewing your mind. How do you renew your mind? By going to the Word of God every day of your life. By spending time in prayer every day of your life. By understanding that His Word is the bread of life. How many knows if you want to live, you have to eat, right? If you want to live spiritually, you and I have got to begin to be partakers of this word. One of the things that frustrates me to no end is this, people trying to act like they're spiritual. Please hear me. I've met a lot of so-called spiritual people. Met a whole lot of so-called spiritual people. But you know, we have a lot of people in leadership today that I could mention in the church and outside the church and high offices of our land and other places. And you know, when people just begin to jabber and, and jabber and jabber and to make themselves look intelligent, they make themselves look like idiots. We've had a whole lot of people in the church world do that as well because they get up and they try to use a certain tone. They try to use a certain this or that, and they try to present themselves in a way. And can I tell you today, we find that there is a lack of spiritual understanding and therefore, because of the unwillingness to give themselves to the word and their unwillingness to be developed by the Holy Spirit of God, they try to take a shortcut and they try to put on a facade. And therefore, instead of walking with an anointing, they walk with emotions. Now, I'm not anti-emotional. But I'm going to tell you something. If emotions got it done, there'd be a whole lot different outcome in our nation today. If our shout was the ultimate, if our, I have to be careful, if our expressions that we have been so accustomed to in the church was the ultimate place or the test of the power and the anointing of God, my generation wouldn't be absent from the sanctuary in America today. But we wanted a shortcut to this thing. And we didn't teach people to look unto Jesus. Can I tell you, 
I'm thankful for the shout. I'm thankful for the emotions that's connected with it. But can I tell you, we have given the enemy more praise in our sanctuaries, if you will, because of how we've conducted things. And we've made him look like he's so powerful when he's already been defeated. And we operated in a place of ignorance. Please hear me. You and I are to be faithful servants. What does a faithful servant look like? A faithful servant will put on the likeness of Christ and therefore our lives will mirror the behavior of Christ when he was in, involved in his earthly ministry. I never ever read in, in scripture where he fought with the devil for two hours. You hear me? I never read where he gave his enemy any room to put on a public display. He operated in authority, but he also always operated from a place of compassion. He always operated concerned about the welfare of the people. Jesus never in three and a half years of his earthly ministry ever tried to make a name for himself. You never see him when he walked into the temple and he said, I'm going to show him who I am today. No, he never did. He never said, I'm going to show him how spiritual I am. I'm going, to, I'm going to heal 10 people today, not nine. No, he never did operate that way. But he was faithful to the call. And you will find that after the resurrection and after he showed himself to his disciples and the apostles and after those that was in the upper room that turned the world upside down, you will find that they operated in such a place of humility and a place of compassion for others that it moved them to lay down their life for people they did not even know. Please hear me. A faithful servant is one that will give everything, not just something. Isaiah, I've heard, you've heard me mention this in the past, but I think it's worth noting today. The first five chapters in the book of Isaiah, the prophet was looking at Israel and he was continually telling them, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. He was basically telling this, if you want to use modern day language, you all messed up and you all are messed up and you all are messed up and you all are messed up. That's what he was telling them. But then you get to chapter six and he has an encounter. And then he kind of looked in the mirror and he said, oh man, I messed up. Because he simply says this, woe is me. You can read it in your Bibles. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord sitting up on a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Remember that passage of scripture? But when you get to verse five, he says, woe is me for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. But as then in that moment, one of the Sephrims flew and took a live coal out in his hand and took it off the altar with the tongs and he put it on his mouth and he simply touched his lips and his iniquity was taken away and his sin was purged. And we find Isaiah faithfully served because of the encounter that he had. But notice he simply said this after he had that encounter. Because the word of the Lord was going, the Lord was saying, who shall I send? Who shall I send? And he simply raised his hand. He said, here I am, send me. He simply understood I have to be a faithful servant. I haven't seen a lot of things that maybe others have seen, but I saw enough to know 
who he is. I've seen him touch the hearts of men. I've seen him make ways that seem to be impossible. I've experienced his healing touch and his healing hand and his miracle working power in the lives of men and women across this nation as well as the nations of the world that I've had privilege to be in. I've seen the supernatural hand of God. I've saw provision be made in the midst where there was nothing. But can I tell you today, you come too late to tell me that he isn't who he says he is. And therefore, I'm indebted to be a faithful servant. My faithfulness is not based upon what you're going and how you're going to respond. My faithfulness is not based upon how will this community respond or how will this community respond. My faithfulness is based upon who he is because my eyes are fixed on him today. If you have your eyes fixed upon people, you're going to be disappointed. If you have your eyes fixed upon ministries, you're going to be disappointed. But if you put your eyes on Jesus, you'll begin to see his glory. You'll begin to see his majesty and you'll begin to see his true identity today. That's why men such as Abraham chose to believe and walk with the promise because they kept his eyes on him. That's why Moses was able to deliver a nation because he kept his eyes on the one that he had put his faith in. Can I tell you today, Israel crossed the Red Sea because of the simple fact that they stayed faithful. Rahab witnessed the saving of her family. Gideon won the battle. Samson defeated the enemies of Israel. David grabbed the beard of the beast and slew a giant. Daniel slept with lions. Hebrew boys walked through a fiery furnace. Peter walked on water. Paul and Silas felt the foundation of a prison shake. How and why was all of this able to be accomplished? Because they chose to be faithful. Even in difficult situations. How many knows this? It wouldn't be easy to praise the Lord when you'd been beat to death hard, almost an inch from your life and placed in stocks and bonds and placed in a prison humiliated. It wouldn't be easy. But Paul and Silas simply looked at each other and said, let's sing a song. They said, we're going to be faithful because he's been good to us. Not based on the situation that they was in in the moment, but they realized who he, had, who he was and how well he had treated them in the past. See, this isn't to mention that Samuel and the other prophets that subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness and obtained promises we could know this tonight that if he is a God that does not change, this is the ultimate question for us tonight. If we really believe what the word of the Lord says, that he is a God that does not change, then why in the world are we allowing the enemy to take our joy in the year 2023, not to mention allowing him to destroy a generation? He does not have the authority unless we give him the authority. Think about it. When somebody stands up and becomes faithful, they began to wage war in what they believe in. I wonder tonight, do we truly believe, truly believe what we say we believe? Because the ultimate question is this, will he find faith upon the earth when he comes? It's one thing to say, I believe this. It's another thing to become willing to die for this. See, I can give you story after story, not of 50 years ago or not even 25 years ago, but even within the last five years of young men and young women that are still giving their life for this because they simply say, we will not deny our God. 
Folks, please hear me, and I'm bringing this to a close this evening. Our God has a track record that cannot be denied. Even for those who went through great persecution before us, and some never even saw the promise or tasted the promise, but they saw it afar off, and they saw it in such a way that they said, that's enough. We're still willing to die for it. Church, I got to tell us today, it's not over. It's not over. But somebody's going to have to stand and fight for this thing. Somebody's got to contend for it. Somebody's got to mount the platform again in the workplace, in every arena of life, as well as even the platform of the local church and begin to proclaim that Jesus is Lord once again. You and I, we have in our possession a copy of the written promise of God concerning you and I and concerning this generation. On this Sunday evening, on Palm Sunday, I wonder tonight, do we really understand the victory that we have in Christ? It's not about what we see in the natural, but it is about what we're prophetically called to on God's timeline. As they come to the music this evening, can I remind you around 2,000 years ago, shortly after the resurrection of our Lord, after 500 had saw him be called up into the heavenlies, we see about 10 days later, there's 120 people in an upper room in a city called Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, there is a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. You can read it in Acts chapter 2. It set down upon them and it caused such a stir and such a commotion. You see, around 50 days before, just a little over 50 days, just a little over 50 days before, Jerusalem had shook when Jesus had rode in on a donkey. But seven days later after he's been crucified and now he's resurrected, the Bible tells us for 40 days he showed and made known with fallible proofs that he was resurrected, that he was alive. And then he ascended into the heavenlies and then about 10 days later that 120 people was in that upper room and they was waiting on the promise because he had gave them a word and the word was go to Jerusalem and tarry there because not many days from now you will be endued with power from on high so that you can be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world and all of a sudden they was in one mind and one accord there was a sound came from heaven and Jerusalem was shaken differently this time. There was a noise that began to take over the city. And they said, how can this be? Is it all of these Galileans? How is it that they're speaking in the language that is normally our language? How is it that these men and these women are able to do this? All of a sudden, Peter, a man that had denied Christ 50 days earlier, 
stood by the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and he began to speak in a manner that forever changed the course of history. He said, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. He was simply saying, awaken to this reality. You have heard it been taught. You have been instructed that in the last days there would be an outpouring where the Spirit of God would come upon all flesh and sons and daughters would prophesy and young men would have vision and old men would have dreams. And He said, and there would be a time where you'd see wonders in heaven and on the earth as well. He went on and said, this is that which the prophet had spoken of. Now for 2,000 years we've been in this latter day outpouring and as I mentioned this morning, if that's not enough, you find if you read on in the book of Joel chapter 2, you will find that in this season towards the latter part of it, there's a shift that takes place. There's an intensity that comes. And that's why he simply says you must continually look unto Jesus because there's a time coming. He said, formerly there was rain that came to you. The former rain came to you moderately, but there's coming a time where you will have the former and the latter together. They come at the same time and there's a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God. And he says, there will be a time of restoration. It says the floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. It said there will be time, a place where you come and there will be a place of plenty. It says there's coming a time in that latter day moment of history that God will begin to do wondrously with his people. As we mentioned this morning, the prophet Haggai said this. He said, the glory of that latter house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace. He's not talking about this place, but he says in this place. Can I tell you, there's a peace that passes all understanding that you can have today. That's why it goes back to what we said earlier. One must safeguard his mind because no, I didn't forget where we started tonight. At the end of our text, it said, for consider him that endured such things that he did. Lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Listen, the mind of the church has got to be made right. And the mind can only become right in this season when we get our eyes off of man, when we get our eyes off of ministry, and we get our eyes back on Jesus. Because then we begin to transition into a place where we understand that we are in a place where the former is coming but also the latter is coming together and there's an outpouring for a generation uh, and when this generation begins to taste and see that God is good it's going to be a time where wondrously things are done uh, in the heavenlies that brings down and comes into the earthly realm where once again men can begin to walk in a manner where God begets glory and honor can I tell you when we look at everything that's going on we look at the beginning of sorrows that we've been in for some time now and we see the escalation and we see the wars we, we, we see the poverty we see the destruction we see the disease it tells us this thing is getting closer and closer to the end but yet there has to be the fulfillment of the great commission that once that is completed we're leaving folks
please hear me. Those that will be taking the journey with him is those that are without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing. It will be a holy people. It will be a set-apart people. The ones that will be leaving with him will be the faithful servant. I'm not talking about having a star by your name because you was at church every Sunday and every Wednesday and every revival service. No, no, no. He does not have a star chart in heaven and said, that's how I judge faithfulness. He judges the faithful servant by the one that takes care of the widow, that takes care of the orphan, that gives a cup of water in his name to the one that will stand in the face of adversity and that's even willing to lay down their life because they simply say God's word is true. You know how we'll have revival in America today? You know how we'll have an awakening today like we desire to have? Is when ordinary, normal, everyday people like you and I become willing to stand in the face of the enemy and lift our hands unequivocally and stand with the authority of the Holy Spirit in our lives and said, we refuse to be silent. I'm not saying we go pick a fight, but I'm saying that the fights already came to us and we got to begin to fight. How many little boys do we have to let the enemy have before we stand and say that's enough? How many little girls do we have to let the enemy have before we say that's enough? We can bury our hands in the sand if we'd like to, but do you understand that there's hundreds of thousands of children right now that has been prescribed medicine from professionals that's keeping their hormones from developing, that's starting the gender process because messed up mommies and daddies that's given themselves over to demonic things. But yet we're going to come and say, oh, God is good. He is good. But somebody's got to fight for that child that doesn't have a voice. Think about it. Could possibly the next Billy Graham be t- been turned into a girl right now because we sit and do nothing? Could the next Catherine Coleman be turned into a boy while we sit and do nothing? And I tell you something, with your faithful, you just don't show up for roll call in your dress blues, so to speak, to pass an inspection. But if you're faithful, when the bombs start flying and dropping overhead, you're also at the line with your battle-ready armor and saying, send me, I'll fight for this thing. I know it's Sunday night and I know you're faithful to this house but this isn't what it's about per se only but it's about being faithful to the call 
It's about being faithful to reach a generation out there that's been plagued by demonic activity every day of their life. A faithful servant. It's impossible for a faithful servant. I want to be real with you tonight. It's impossible for a faithful servant in the army of the Lord tonight to go home, put their pajamas on, and sleep like a baby in the condition of our world. If you go home tonight and lay down and you're not disturbed in your spirit by what's taking place in our nation and the nations of the world, Maybe we need to ask ourselves, am I really faithful? You say, oh, but he gives us peace. Yes, he gives us peace so we can operate in the capacity that God's given us. But can I tell you, there has to be a baptizing of anguish where once again we will lay between the porch and the altar and begin to intercede and make war on the floor for a generation. Can I tell you, I'm only standing here today because my mommy and my daddy, they refused to give up on me when I was in sin and they thought that there was a purpose in my life and my daddy would walk the stop after he'd labored all day and pray for his children. The only reason I'm here is because I'm a product of their prayer because they was faithful. But if they had a carefree attitude and just left it to chance, where would I be? Where would you be? Oh, where is the faithful servant? Where is the Paul and Silas that will sing? Where is the young Daniel that will say, I'm not careful to answer you, O king? Where's those three teenage boys that says, we will not bow? Where is the old prophet that's willing to stand and shake his feeble finger with his aged face and look the devil in the eye and say, not today, devil. Oh, forgive me tonight. Where's the one that has the gift and the call of healing and discernment willing to stand and give a word of knowledge even because you know it's going to touch somebody won't make you the most popular where's the one that's willing to call sin sin not in malice not in anger but with compassion Why is it that we don't see the church sitting with the sinner, giving them the love of Jesus? I ask the question today, are we really 
faithful servants. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Don't be wearied. Don't let the enemy have your mind as a playground. But I want to leave you with this tonight. You have been bought with a price. You belong to another. You are not your own. And he paid a great price for you and he paid a great price for me. While we was yet sinners, he died for us. If somebody was willing to die for me, I think I need to be faithful to him. But he didn't die just so I could live here, but he died so I could have life everlasting. Oh, and when I think about eternity... All week long, I've, I've just had a special little visitor at my house. Tuesday evening, me and little Jackson was sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden, I heard something trying to get in my front door. My son Tyler was sitting on the couch. He's a little jumpy. He kind of frightened him a little bit. And I said, what in the world is trying to get in? I got up and I looked and I saw a beautiful male cardinal. He's beautiful. Flew up on my front porch. Pecking on my glass door and then he went over and he sat down on my flower pot and he just looked at me. He just turned his head and looked at me. And then he flew away. Thursday, me and Jackson. Those women can take vacation anytime they want. Me and Jackson, we had a good week. All of a sudden I hear something trying to get in my back door. I look around. That same beautiful red bird is now at my back door. Pecking on my back door, trying to get in my house. And Jackson thinks it's the coolest thing. And I walk over and I look and it looks at me and turns its head, turns its head. And then it flies up to the tree branch and just sits there and looks. And I said, well, I hear a lot of things about red birds and things of that nature. And I just kind of looked at it and I said, dad, I don't know if it's you or mom. Are you trying to tell me something today? But every day this week, and it's still trying to get in my house today, comes and visits, comes and knocks on the window of the door and turns its head and looks and just tells me. So I go and I look and it's sitting in my tree. You say, what in the world are you talking about today? Can I tell you, I don't know if there's anything to do with that red bird or not, but it sure has witnessed to me and strengthened me this week because of the simple fact I know this.
this isn't all there is. The simplest of things made my mind just run. Went down memory lane and began to think, oh, all of the faithful servants. I look around this house today and I know this to be for sure. If their race wasn't ran and if they hadn't finished their course, Brother John, I could begin to name individual after individual after individual after individual that would be sitting in the house of God on this Sunday evening because they was faithful servants. And I began to think, oh, how wonderful heaven's going to be. Oh, I'll get to see Jesus, the one that died for me, yes. But what about old brother Fred Grant and sister Grant? What about brother and sister Dalton? What about Lola Witt? What about Norma Jean McFarland that for year after year after year didn't matter if it was a handful or a houseful, even when she wasn't feeling it, would climb on and sit at that piano bench and play. The list goes on and on and on. And I'm not saying you have to be at the house of God every time the doors open. I'm not saying that. But I am saying the generation before us, that's all they knew. And they was going to be faithful. They was going to be faithful to witness. They was going to be faithful to pray. If you'd be honest, you'd, there's some of you, you would get nervous. And when you would go into the grocery store, you'd go in Macy's. I'll take us back a little bit. Go into Macy's on Fifth Street. And you'd see sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. And some of you would probably duck and go the other way because you knew if they saw you, they was going to be praying for you and they was going to get excited. And you're just like, I just don't know if I want to see that or not. I don't. Listen, let's be honest. Some of you, that's just the way it was because they wasn't shy about who they was. But there was a generation that they was faithful. Listen, we got to lay aside some stuff. And we got to become radical followers of Jesus. I don't care what the world thinks of us. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that we hear these words one day in the future. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to say, man, you preached a good message on this date or that day. No, none of that matters. I just want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How are we going to hear those words tonight? Is by finishing well. I think all of us probably can look over our lives and say, well, I wish I'd have done that different and that different and that different. We can't go back and change that. But from this day forward, I can be faithful. 
I can be faithful to the call. I can be faithful to the things that he's entrusted with me, my gifts, my talents, my provisions. Because at the end of the day, it's not about you and I. It is about reaching a world. He gives us a warning. I want to leave you with this. There is a time where night will come where no man will be able to work. Therefore, we must work while it's day. If I'm going to reach my family, I've got to do it while it's day. If I've got to reach Connorsville, Indiana, I've got to reach them while it's day. If I'm going to reach America, I've got to do it while it's day. If I'm going to reach the nations of the world, I've got to do it while it's day. But if you and I will go to the Word of God tonight, please hear me. And this is not to frighten us. But I can tell you this morning, this afternoon, that we are not in the morning hours of this season. But the sun is beginning to set. Darkness is beginning to come. We only have a short amount of time to finish the task. So I know you may be weary. You may be tired. Oh, but hang on just a little bit longer, child. Because it's almost done. We're going to make it if we look unto Jesus. And we can finish faithful. And we can be faithful servants. As we stand all over the house this evening. All day today, I've just felt the sweetness as the only way I know how to articulate it tonight. I just sense the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's because I've been visited by my red bird every day this week or not. I don't know. All I know is that there's just a sweetness. I don't know if you can experience or sense it in this room, but it's a good place to be for me. I just want to be found faithful. And there's enough people in this room, not even counting the ones that's joining us by way of live stream tonight, but as the church family, and I know many of our church family is on live tonight with us because they're battling some sickness and we miss you and we want you back here soon. But there's enough people to turn a world upside down in this room tonight if we're just willing to be the faithful servants that God's calling us to be. And here's the thing. He's not calling you to be anything other than or to be anybody other than who he called and created you to be. You just have to be you. Don't change your personality. Don't mimic somebody else. Don't look online and see who's been successful and say, I'm going to use that. No, no, no. Just be you and let God use you right where you are. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, wonderful. If it's one-on-two, -on -two, wonderful. If it's in a platform, in a public setting, wonderful. But whatever it is, 
Just be faithful. Share your faith. How do I do that, you may ask? By sharing your personal testimony of the goodness of God and the grace of God. But let's be his hands and his feet in this season. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to join hands with the person beside you. I want us to pray together tonight before we leave. And I want you to pray for the ones whose hands you have. And I want you to just pray, Lord, help them to be faithful servants. Help them, Lord, to be faithful to what you've called them to and what you're calling them to. Help them, Lord, to be encouraged. Help them, Lord, to have a renewed mind. Lord, today as we stand together corporately, Lord, we're praying for our brothers and sisters. We're lifting them up before you today. Lord, every one of us in this room and everyone that's online with us, we all need you. We can do nothing in ourselves. But Lord, today we're not asking for us, but we're asking for the one's hand that we have. And Lord, I ask there to be, first of all, just a refreshing of Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that there would just be a wind of refreshing come to them. And Lord, let their mind be renewed and refreshed. And I let them putting their eyes on you and let them know that there's more that's for them than against them. Let them realize today that you have never forsaken them, nor will you. Lord, let them realize that they're not alone tonight, but that you are right there with them. And Lord, I pray that there would be a boldness that would come to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Lord, I pray that there would be a spirit of boldness that would come in such a manner that they would share their faith without hesitation that they would be your hands and their feet. Help us, Lord, to operate and move in compassion. Lord, I pray in this season that we would always operate from a place of humility and a place of compassion. Lord, in a world that is hurt and scarred and been abused and abandoned in so many ways, Lord, today I pray that when they come in contact with your church that there would just be an oozing of love that would come in and that you would use these men and these women to be the catalyst to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring rest, to bring comfort, and to bring peace. Lord, I pray for the salvation of souls. I pray for a release of strongholds. And Lord, I pray that this would be a week where you would use this body of people to be the smile, to be the encouragement, to be the catalyst that brings about a change in the lives of the men and women they meet. Lord, help us as we go in and out of our city travel our state and multiple states in our nation Lord I pray for revival fire to begin 
to just intensify. Let there be just a an infusion of power come to the faithful servant tonight that may be a little weary, may be a little overwhelmed, that maybe hasn't saw the results that they've been desiring to see. Lord, let a spirit of encouragement come upon them. Let this generation of believers experience what David experienced when he was in the midst of Ziglag. And they were speaking of stoning him and he grabbed the ephod and it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Lord, I pray that that encouragement, that spirit of encouragement would settle down upon every man, every woman in this room. And Lord, I pray today that you would help us finish and finish well. Lord, give us souls for our labor We're not asking for great wealth. We're not asking for the applause of men. But, Lord, we're asking for souls for our labor. We're asking for wayward children to come home. We're asking for lost men and women to have an encounter with you. We're asking for healing virtue to flow, miracle-working power to be on display. And we will give you all of the glory and all of the praise for all that is accomplished. And Lord, we thank you in advance right now because we believe your word to be true. That we ask, we have not because we ask not, but we're asking tonight for these things specifically. So today, Lord, I'm thanking you for souls that's coming. I thank you for the backslider that's coming. I thank you for the release of healing virtue that's coming. I thank you for the turnaround in our city and in our families that's coming. Lord, we call it done in the name of Jesus today. Lord, go with us tonight from this house, but not your presence. Be with us as we go to our workplaces, as we go to our designated responsibilities this week. Lead us, guide us, and direct us. Help us to be pleasing in all that we do. Jesus mighty name. Lord everybody I hope that you have enjoyed your time with us today I sincerely believe the Lord is taking his word and is touching hearts and lives in this very season I believe that you're one of those and we encourage you to continue to join us uh, on these platforms but today before we say goodbye to you until the next time I'd just like to take a moment pray a blessing over you And uh, I hope that if there's some things going on in your life that in this season, you'll simply do what the word of the Lord says. Just trust in him. The Bible tells us, taste and see, and you know that he'll be good. So today, I just pray blessings over you. I pray blessings over your family. And if you have yet to surrender your life to the Lord, there is no time like the present to do so. So God bless you today.